Is. All right, so it's uh, 23 minutes past nine, and we have in studio our guest for the Effective Living series. Today is the first day of our third week, and this week we're focusing on family and finance. And so my topic this morning is family financial planning. My guest is Dr. Uh, Doris Ahiati. I almost had a doctor. <laughs> it is coming soon. <laughs> Co-founder and CEO of Crescendo Consult, a financial advisory, executive coaching, and consulting firm. Proud today, she was country director of ACC Global, which is the leading global professional accountancy body, and vice president of uh, Data Bank. So she has some useful information for families on how to plan your finances. Welcome to the show, Doris. Thank you very much, Ben. It's great to have you. So you are the co-founder of Crescendo Consults, and you are into what? Financial advisory, coaching? Executive coaching. And consulting. And consulting. Very interesting indeed. Mm-hmm. How often do you deal with family problems? <laughs> Almost on a daily basis. Is it? Yes. Okay. So let's have what you have. What, what are you going to do this morning? This morning, we are going to discuss um, how to do a family's financial plan. Okay. And I would like, to, I would like us to go through by first looking at what family financial planning entails okay. what it is about mm-hmm. and then i would like us to also look at the relevance why is it important at all to have a family financial plan okay and then i'll walk us through the basics of putting together a family financial plan okay and then i'll give a few tips um nice. that you should arm yourself in order to be effective in implementing whatever plans you all put right. together thank you so let's go for it go for it go okay for it. go for it so thank you very much and let me use the opportunity to say a very good morning to mm-hmm. the listeners out there mm. and also thank ctfm for putting this program together because oftentimes when we talk about goal setting at the beginning of the year we leave the financial aspect which is very crucial mm. so it's it's a very laudable thing that you not only are providing a platform to share ideas with listeners on how to put together their own personal financial plans but to also have one for the family the family is a very important unit of the society it holds the society together and when we have a breakdown or when we have things not going well, it comes to affect the larger macroeconomy. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about Ghana having a low savings mobilization rate and a low marginal propensity to save and all that, I think that the foundation is in the family. And so um, when we talk about financial planning at the family level, we are talking about a very broad um, state of the financial affairs of a particular family. I know that the first thing that comes to people's minds when you talk about financial planning or finance is money. Um, Let me say that this goes a little bit beyond money. It goes a little bit beyond budgeting. Now, the family financial plan is supposed to ensure the well-being, the upkeep, and the maintenance of all the members of the family, all the members of a particular household. Okay. And because of um, its broad nature, it involves the likes of investment. So has this family got pools of investment sitting in safe places for the future? It also includes insurance. Should something go wrong, do you have a buffer? Should something that is likely to happen, happen sooner than anticipated? Do you have a cushion? 
So insurance is also covered when we talk about family financial planning. And then we talk about estate planning at the end of life when some family members pass on what structures or programs have been put in place to ensure that there isn't chaos and conflict in the family. And um, very closely related to that is legacy, which we'll be looking at at the end of the day. What legacy is the one that has departed, left behind for the family, especially the children. Mm. And then we also um, cover retirement planning. At that stage in your life when you are no longer able to engage in active and meaningful activities that will earn you some income, what have you put in place to ensure that you can still live a certain modest quality of life at that stage? And then we have the cash flow bit, which is the favorite and the commonest for everybody. And at that stage, we are looking at how much money is coming in and how much money we are actually spending. And the inflows, we are talking about the likes of wages, um, salaries if you are employed, Mm -hmm. profit if you run your own business or dividends that you are earning. Mm -hmm. If you are making some investment, the returns that are being generated by those investments. If you have properties that you've rented, the rent income Mm -hmm. and many more would fall under uh, inflows. Let me be quick to add that if you happen to have people that love you outside of the country, they may also be sending you remittance that will fall under transfers. Mm -hmm. And that's also income that is useful. And then we have the outflows. Mm -hmm. And that is where usually it proves tough. And uh, people end up with deficit positions and have to take loans before the month has ended or be labeled as always borrowing, Mm -hmm. etc., etc. Because if you don't discipline yourself on the outflow side Mm -hmm. and you just go after everything that your heart desires, you you may end up with huge um, outflows that cannot be covered by your inflows Mm -hmm. alone. So that's uh, broadly. So investment, insurance, retirement planning, cash flow. Estate planning. Estate planning. Yes. All of these are parts of what financial planning entails. Okay. And um, if we say the difference between financial planning for the family and Mm -hmm. the financial planning for an individual Mm -hmm. is basically the number of participants we are looking at. Okay. If I'm doing my personal financial plan, I just sit down, I look at me and me alone. Mm -hmm. I look at my responsibilities. I look at um, whatever other obligations I may have and then Mm -hmm. my inflows Mm -hmm. and I put it together. Okay. But when we are looking at a family's financial plan, Ideally, it shouldn't be one person sitting down alone in a corner or an office somewhere to do it. Mm-hmm. You should know the family. The other members of the family's needs have to be taken into consideration. Okay. Their obligations have to be considered. Mm-hmm. The dreams that you have as a family have to be considered. Whatever resources that you have together as a family, not as individuals, mm-hmm. have to be considered. And then properties as well as um, any other obligations you may have towards uh, the respective family members in Ghana, in any family unit that is uh, made up of a husband and wife and perhaps children, there are two other mm-hmm. uh, families that have to constantly be mm-hmm. considered in our financial planning. So in, in the nutshell, that will be the hot um, of financial planning. planning. Okay, so now the why. Okay. Financial planning is extremely crucial. Mm. And uh, let me use the example of somebody that sets out this morning um, and they have no idea where they are going. 
they've woken up, they've dressed nicely, <laughs> and and they've hit the road. Mm-hmm. Imagine the difficulties that they deal with when they stand by the roadside because they don't have a plan in mind, they don't have a goal in mind where they are going to, mm. how they are going to get there. They go by the roadside and it's not easy to even determine which vehicle to board if they are not driving by themselves. Mm-hmm. It's easier if they are driving. Mm. Now, if they are driving, they may just sit by their car and hit the road. But they have no place in mind, so they just wander off. And when they get to a place and maybe they run out of fuel, they stop there. They may consider that place to be their destination. But they don't have anything to measure the destination against to determine that actually they have arrived. Mm-hmm. Number two, they may or they may not like this location where they have stopped at. But because they didn't have any plan as to where they intended to go to and what kind of comforts they wanted to have when they get there, mm-hmm. they have no benchmark against which to evaluate their outcomes. Okay. So these are some of the reasons why um, having a, pi- a financial plan is extremely important. It gives you focus. Okay. Focus that helps you to direct your actions so that they galvanize in an improved outcome. Mm-hmm. Without it, your outcomes may be good anyway, but if you had a plan, I can bet that it would have been better than that outcome which you consider good. So that focus is very important. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a song in Ghana, and I like to make reference to that says, Sika (laughs) Emoja. Finances tend to be the number one source of conflict in, in families. Is it? Yes. Um, In the nuclear family, it may be the reason that mistrust is created because one party feels the other party is not disclosing fully what their finances are. The other party feels someone is overspending Mm -hmm. on frivolous things. Um, One party may think one is too kind and is giving money towards things that ideally money shouldn't be given to and these kinds of situations can create tension Mm. undermine communication and um, bring conflict in in the homes Mm -hmm. sometimes it is the reason why um, families break because yes um, I I can cite an instance of somebody very close to me and some of the complaints before the couple divorced included the fact that this woman, even though was working, would call the husband for um, less than 20 Ghana CDs in order to pay for refuse collection. Even though so there's... The money uh, for <laughs> yes. So eventually, this particular couple um, divorced mm. and there were children in that marriage. And I mean, once the home is broken, it, it, it brings about its own challenges as well. Sometimes splitting the income... Um, affect the quality of life of the children and even the the parents mm-hmm. in that situation. Once the children don't get the needed support and attention, there's the likelihood that they will become wayward. And as they get wayward and they don't have um, a certain measure, someone to look up to, to be successful in society, they may end up being criminals. Wow. So when we talk about the importance of financial planning particularly in the family unit mm-hmm. it's a serious matter that i want to urge um the everyone to pay attention to it. it depends on it it's crucial gives you focus crucial. and then keeps the family together yes so, so once you have a good family financial plan in place mm-hmm. you actually see growth mm. you see growth 
you see happiness. Mm -hmm. You see security mm -hmm. in the family. People feel secure. Um, they sleep and they sleep well. It boosts the confidence of the children and even the partners in that home. It makes it more peaceful. And usually you are able to leave a legacy for other members of the family because of the growth that is resulting um, from the plans you have in place. And generally you have a, a much higher quality of life in that family, all members in mm. that family. Okay. So this is Effective Living Series. We're talking to Doris Agrian here at who's uh, helping us with family financial plans. We know the what and we know the why. I think now we need to go into the how. Yes. Because that's where the meat is. How do you do it? Is there a recommended approach? And of course, you should give us some tips. In the meantime, if you have any questions to ask or any contributions, 054-998-6996. Right. So I want to start with the fact that like all other goals that we set in life, mm. we have to subject the family financial plan also to the... Um, the key qualities of um, a good goal, which are smart. It has to be specific. You should be specific as to exactly what you are setting out to mm -hmm. achieve with this family financial goal. Mm -hmm. Now, it should be measurable so that you can review periodically to see the progress that mm -hmm. you are making against that standard you have set for yourself. Mm -hmm. It should also be achievable. Um, it should be something that is not beyond your means mm -hmm. to uh, bring about. And it should be realistic. Okay. Um, more or less like saying that you should cut your coat according mm -hmm. to your fabric. Okay. Or live within your means. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the last bit is that it has to be time bound. Okay. So over what period is this goal um, supposed to be achieved. Mm -hmm. The first part in putting together your family financial plan is taking an assessment or a stock taking of sort of the family circumstances. Okay. So at this point, you look at our family, how many of us are in this family? Ideally, you can start off with a family meeting before maybe the key representative of, of the family retreat to put the final thing together. Mm -hmm. But in the general forum or meeting, that is where you pick the, the dreams, mm -hmm. the desires, the aspirations of all the members of the family. So you get the raw information together. Mm -hmm. You also pull together what uh, a listing of the resources that you have, mm -hmm. um, the skills and expertise, the capabilities, properties, and then responsibilities. Sometimes when we talk about responsibilities, I want to quickly draw attention to the fact that it may not only be the fact that you have an in-law that you should send money to every month, mm -hmm. but it could be a health condition of some members of the family that would require regular management. Mm. And you should take all these into consideration as the responsibilities of the family. Okay. Once you have gone past that stage of uh, stock taking, understanding their dreams and aspirations and knowing who the family is, what they really desire and where they intend to go to, then you are in a better position to set the goal. Mm -hmm. Your goal may, may be something like um, save to purchase mm -hmm. or finance your own home okay. in three years. Okay. It could be um, an intention to stop paying for health 
out of pocket, but to now make sure that you have a health insurance policy mm -hmm. that will cover the family's um, health needs. It could be some vacation plans that you have that maybe in five years time you would like to go to Israel as a family <laughs> and um, you would have to be investing towards the school. Mm -hmm. It may be that you want your children to attend a particular Ivy League college mm -hmm. um, outside of the country and you should be working towards these goals. Okay. Maybe your goal would also be that you want to live the year without depending on any loan. You want to be financially independent. Financially independent for that year and beyond. That is also a good um, goal. Let me also be quick to add that oftentimes the the scope or the the horizon for family financial plans would go beyond the short to medium term. So you would have a, a general long term one mm -hmm. and then you would have a medium term one and then the one for the specific year. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you don't have that already in place, as you put together your plan, your family's financial plan for this year, you should also take a relatively long term view to say that, okay, and so what? As we um, go by these goals that we are setting for ourselves this year, what is it contributing to? What is it aggregating towards? Mm -hmm. Okay. You should be mindful of that. Sometimes it helps to go to three, five years or 10 years in the future and work backwards. Mm -hmm. But if it's complicated for you, you can just start from this year. And at the end of the day, look at your net, multiply it by a certain um, number of X years factor mm -hmm. and see where you are going to end up and determine whether that is good enough for you or not. If it is not, then you would have to look at adjusting your short and medium term plans. Okay. There are a number of rules that have been thrown about that okay. can help you in distributing a budget, which is the crucial tool for uh, doing your personal financial planning. Okay. Um, we have the 70, 20, 30 rule. Mm -hmm. We have a 90, 10 rule. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you can choose your own rule. Can I even create your own? You can create your 80, own. 20. Whatever works for you. Okay. So the 50-30 rule was um, promoted by a U.S. senator called Elizabeth Holmes. Mm -hmm. And in a book that she wrote, what she recommended was that you spend 50% of all your inflows on your daily living. The okay. things that you really need to take care of. Mm -hmm. And that you spend 30% on discretionary items and then the 20 percent goes towards investment for the future mm -hmm. let me go over that so 50 percent ideally of all your inflows is allocated towards your living expenses the very necessary ones and then you have 30 percent going towards discretionary items and then 20 percent towards investment now, when you hear about the 90-10, it's typically saying that at least 10% of whatever you are earning should be invested against retirement. So, just a way to draw attention to the importance of keeping in mind retirement mm -hmm. while you are earning today. Good. Okay. So, we are looking at the tool of budgeting. Mm -hmm. And um, in budgeting, you also have to sit down and understand what you typically spend your inflows on. Mm -hmm. So your expenditure for any particular period. 
you can start from the month and then build it onto the year because there are certain expenditure items that will not happen in a particular month but will happen in another month in the course of the year mm-hmm. and um, i like to recommend that in budgeting that we take care of using maslow's hierarchy of needs you start with where you are going to lay your head so you should make provision for your accommodation mm-hmm whether you are renting or um, you are putting up your own property, buying a mortgage, um, having a mortgage through which to pay a home that you have bought and using now. I like to quickly put beside rent and accommodation expenses, maintenance for those properties, especially when you are living in your own. Because it's easy for people who live in their own homes to think that they don't need to make any allowance for accommodation. Yes. But if you keep putting aside, setting aside funds monthly, annually to take care of the home, when a time comes that there's a major renovation work that has to be done, maybe replace the roof or change some architectural design or plumbing works, then you would have the fallback and it doesn't... um, offset your financial situation significantly. Mm -hmm. And then when we talk about accommodation, very closely related to that is utilities. Um, If you are not servicing or paying your bills on time, you will not enjoy your home. At all. Yes, you wouldn't have electricity, you wouldn't have water and and the like. Waste management would be a problem. So we put that side by side as very important. Mm -hmm. And then we go to food and other supplies that um, consumables you spend uh, over a short period, you use them up. Mm -hmm. And um, ideally, you should set aside anywhere between 6 and 10% of your income, depending on the size of your income on food. And let me be quick. Six to ten percent of income on food. Yes. Let me be quick to add that it pays off to select quality food ingredients and items, even if initially they appear to be expensive. Mm. Because in the end, they will save the family on the health side. Mm. You may eat anything, you may pick the cheapest things, and at the end of the day end up with some ill health that mm-hmm. you have to now spend funds on to try and cure. Okay. And while you are trying to cure that, you would also be losing the opportunity to earn additional funds over that period. Mm. So it's very important what um, we choose to spend our funds on as far as food is concerned. You should also set aside some funds for medicals and fitness. Because while we try to uh, prevent it, sometimes things are out of our control. And you may end up needing to um, use the services of a healthcare provider. Mm -hmm. By all means, budgeting fitness, it could also save you uh, on the medicals. And then set aside some funds towards education and ICT in the family budget. Mm -hmm. Now, I like that families will take a long-term view because there are children that may be in the family that would ideally need to go all the way to the tertiary level and beyond Mm. to be able to contribute significantly to society. And you should be investing towards that. Okay. So don't think that when they are in the lower primaries, etc., and the fees is low, you should be setting aside low. You should still be mindful of saving even more and investing more towards when the obligations for education increase. Mm. Also, because we are in a digital economy, it's very important that every family invests in digital savviness. Okay. So the gadgets that should be around the household that you have access to information in real time mm. so that you can live smart. 
um i i love to say i don't typically sit in traffic because i'm always using the gps to find where the traffic is better and and the like so you go for your meetings faster yes it helps actually that yeah technology. and time is money so mm -hmm. if you are investing in technology at the end of the day it pays for the family mm -hmm. and then it doesn't also leave the family behind in a very competitive world mm. and then transportation um, it's also an item that should be on your budget. Mm. Um, what mode of transport you are going to be using, if there's an option to do carpooling for picking children, dropping children, um, how to get to work, etc. Mm -hmm. Then there are daily incidentals and extended family transfers that you also need to cater for. Mm -hmm. These may not be too important, but you should make a little allowance for it on your budget. Okay. And then church and charity should also be factored in depending on the faith that you belong to. Mm -hmm. um, you should aim to give back something to society, mm -hmm. whether it's in cash or in kind, it should be in your budget. And remember, time is money. So when you give your time, it's essentially some, uh, it's got some financial value to it. Mm -hmm. And then also irregular expenses and emergency fund. Um, and we have and estimate that you should always set aside for emergency. At least you should have um, up to one month's gross salary setting aside, but better still, it should be three months. If you want to be very comfortable, it should be six months emergency, uh, six months equivalent of gross income you have saved mm. in the bank against um, emergencies. Okay. And then your entertainment as well as investment. Now, I've left investment, which would include insurance and retirement, as the last item on the budget okay. for the reason that some families take the view that when we spend and there's something left, mm -hmm. then we can invest. Okay. But it shouldn't be like that. You should have a percentage, like we said, between 6 to 10%. is a good figure to have for food. You should also have something in the region of 10%, for example, towards retirement. Mm -hmm. And if you look at Elizabeth Holmes' um, 50, 30, 20 rule that I mentioned, mm -hmm. the 20 that is towards investment, you look at 10% out of it as towards retirement mm -hmm. and the remaining 10% towards other investment. Mm -hmm. Then you are on track towards a very um, stable financial situation as a family. Mm. Then I want to look at the income side of the budget. Okay. On the income side, whatever your total would be on the expenditure side, you should aim to cover it. So I recommend a balanced budget. Okay. We should not be aiming to run any deficits here. <laughs> so on the income side, if you realize that as you put your numbers together, it is not equivalent to the expenditure side. Mm -hmm. It is time for you to identify new sources of income because by all means you should you should make those money mm -hmm. in order to spend. The other option would be to cut out some expenditure items if you cannot find the funds yourself. So do you to. start from what you want to spend and then aim for that income or you start with what you earn and then tailor your expenditure to it? <laughs> <laughs> I would go for starting with the expenditure because sometimes inside the expenditure items, mm -hmm. you would have growth opportunity items. For example, you're setting mm -hmm. yourself to pursue certain academic qualifications. Mm -hmm. That professional status would become an income earner mm -hmm. for you. So if you start with the income side and you say, 
I'm strictly cutting it according to my fabric. You and you, 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 yes, you won't grow. Okay. So you start with the expenditure side and then you can find the income sources so that you would have growth. Okay. It will stretch you mm. and then you grow. Okay. So the typical family's income sources will be the salary for those that are employed or wages if they are short-term earners. Mm -hmm. And then there are bonuses and benefits that are typically not planned for. Mm -hmm. Call it free money. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes a free money may also be a transfer. It may be a gift from somebody. You are not expecting it. What a lot of families do when they get that kind of free money is that they just blow it. Mm -hmm. There may be benefit packages at work that cover health. And I would encourage families to take advantage of those opportunities. Mm -hmm. Okay. It may be a bit basic to what you want. Maybe your employer is giving you health care cover that takes you to um certain class b hospital assuming that class a is the top tier hospital mm -hmm. um and you choose that you will not <clears throat> sorry take advantage of what your employer is offering mm -hmm. you may go to the class a hospital the service may not be that different from the, um the one. yes class b but at the end of the day you have your financial position is relatively worse off mm -hmm. so let's take advantage of those freebies um, if we evaluate them and they prove to be worth, mm. worth it. Okay. Very interesting. And then we have windfalls that happen, you know, in a lot of organizations. We have 13th month. <laughs> and in January, that is when we get to know who has been swimming naked. <laughs> as, as far as what people did with their 13th month is concerned, mm -hmm. you know. So what you do with those funds is important. Did you just organize a party? Did you just decide to um, buy something that maybe some very new tuxedo or something that is not, you didn't really need it, but mm -hmm. you, you've invested in it because you think this money um, just came from nowhere. Mm -hmm. You should make good use of such uh, windfalls. And then investment returns. If you are allocating, say, 10% towards investment and another 10% towards your retirement, at the end of um, the period, being a year or a quarter, you would have made some gains mm -hmm. either from the stock market or from a savings account. And that also is income. Mm -hmm. Some people, and I recommend it, set themselves a certain basic investment sum so that they can be earning a certain specified amount regularly. Okay. And so you can even plan how you do that as well your capital gains or returns on investment mm -hmm. and then disposal of assets and rentals some people have large homes they don't really occupy all the rooms yeah and you could be smart to put it on airbnb yeah. or to rent it to um colleagues so that it can generate some funds for you instead of just sitting idle mm -hmm. And then um, another potential source of income is the appreciation in those properties. Maybe you bought a house and over time the value is appreciating. That's also inflows that um, would be paper-based. But if you should sell it, that is also an addition to your family's resources. Mm. And then last but not the least is alternative income. Okay. And typically alternative income will be what families can use to beef up their inflows if it is falling short of expenditure. Mm -hmm. And I can mention this list is not exhaustive. You can think of other creative ways, other ways of using your professional expertise or some gift or talent you have. I've seen some people that are emceeing at various events, but professionally they may be 
bankers or doctors or something else. Mm. Um, I also know some people that are into music and they will minister at programs and that's an income earner for them. Um, there are those that write books, authors, mm -hmm. or those that manage a blog that fetches them money. Uh, some people use network marketing as an alternative income generator. Mm -hmm. There are those that get into speaking. They take speaking appointments and that's a source of income for them. Some people decide to set up a small shop at home mm -hmm. or go into farming or soap making and the like. Even teaching online or physically mm -hmm. as a means to bridge the gap when there's a gap between the income side and the expenditure side of the family mm -hmm. financial plan okay all right so we've had the what we've had the why we've had the how i'm sure you've added a few tips as well on what to do as we try and wrap this up uh, you you did mention that in the what there was investment there was retirement planning there was mm. estate planning there was cash flow but i also mentioned insurance mm -hmm. and somebody um uh, ask the question but I, I like the insurance things but the process you have to go through to claim your money <laughs> and my expenses are more than my income due to family pressure how do i deal with this so it's a two-in-one question from christiana mccord some people don't feel that insurance companies in ghana pay as quickly as they ought i don't know whether that means you shouldn't do insurance planning but because you said insurance is part of mm -hmm. the planning you make and mm -hmm. then he's also saying that his expenses are more than his income due to family pressure he doesn't know what to do to deal with that okay so what i would recommend if you want to play a fast one mm -hmm. would be to focus on the investment side because um there's an element of insurance that is actually uh, invested what happens is that if the insured event happens mm. earlier than you foresee mm. in insurance the game of numbers sort of help you to benefit you can choose if you don't want to pay the insurance premiums because you are you are taking chances uh, it's a gamble that whatever you are insuring against is not going to happen then mm -hmm. invest that money mm -hmm. assuming that the insured event the thing that you would have insured against is not going to happen for a long time your investment will be growing for you if it should happen then you can call on that particular investment funds to take care of what you would have used the claims from insurance mm. to cover mm. but uh, i have to wish you luck that whatever you are investing against that didn't happen sooner than later at what point do you review the plan because you we are starting the plan in the course of in the middle in the beginning of the year mm -hmm. um are you saying that once your assumptions are right, you just keep going? Or do you give yourself a few months and you do? <laughs> Not at all. I believe that it's, it's ideal that you review and realistic that you review your plans on a quarterly basis. Mm -hmm. But um, the tips that I was going to give to families include that you should budget together and you should commit to it mm -hmm. as a family. And you should review and track it. And committing and tracking means on a daily basis, you are literally checking that mm -hmm. what you are spending is actually what was put on plan. Okay. But you take a more holistic view at the end of the three-month period to say that we are 10% off track or we are just within track or something important has come up and we want to take 
um, a decision on it and make an adjustment. That's what the periodic quarterly ones should be. But when you go to the shopping mall and that little kid says, I love that toy. Can you buy it for me? Um, you should weigh the benefits of this new toy against the, all the other toys the kid has at home mm -hmm. and to see the price and whether it's a negligible spend for the day or it's something that is significant and therefore you should delay. Mm. And that brings me back to the other tip that I wanted to give to families that we should learn to delay. Delay spending and delay gratification. Don't just buy it because it came to mind that you need it. And delaying the purchase would enable you to compare, mm -hmm. do a good enough research, get recommendations. Um, I saw this ninja master chef uh, blender for commercial cooking that I thought was a powerful tool. Mm -hmm. And I went all out. I ordered it, waited for it to arrive. I used it for two days and it broke down. Oh, Lord. <laughs> So, if I had taken my time and spoken with other commercial cooks and chefs, mm -hmm. they probably would have given me a recommendation that would save me this loss. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, if you delay the spending and you take time to do your research and get recommendations, mm -hmm. it actually will save you in the long run. And then you should also take advantage of seasonal opportunities. There are promos that come up from time to time. So you are going to buy something. Black Friday is not too far away. Or Valentine promotions are coming up. You can just delay and see what benefit you will get if you bought that same item, item during the period when they may be on promo and therefore you get to enjoy discount. Okay. And um, I, I also want to add that invest as you have planned. I indicated that earlier. Don't invest what is left over after you have spent it all allocate something towards your investment okay. and be be very cautious about using debt mm. yes um if the returns and the benefits you are going to enjoy do not far outweigh um what it's costing you to take on that loan please don't take it and then exercise restraint thank you very much doris who's a, a real uh teacher when it comes to finance issues with some very very simple straightforward but profound ideas on personal financial planning for the family family financial planning she's the co-founder and ceo of um, crescendo consult a leading financial advisory and executive coaching and consulting firm uh, I'm sure people want to know how to get in touch with you. Do you have a website? Do you have, are you on social media? Yes. So on website, we are www.crescendoheights.com. Okay. Crescendoheights.com. Mm -hmm. We are also at John C. Maxwell Group.com. Okay. Slash Doris Ahiati. Mm -hmm. And um, on LinkedIn as well, you can catch me as Doris Ahiati. Brilliant. Thank you for your time. Uh, listeners, that's all we have time for for today's edition of the Effective Living Series. The podcast of this is available.